Would you open your precious Bible this morning to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 31. As you're turning, I want to just put a plug in for a couple of things. Um, This fall festival, this fun day, on the 30th, you need to be there just to have fun. You know, the Christian life, we should have fun, amen? Just because you're Christian doesn't mean you can't have fun. And we're going to have some fun. You can watch a bunch of -of out-of-shape people try to beat other out-of-shape people in a kickball game. It's fun. And uh, we're going to have some good food. We're going to have barbecue and all the sides, all the things. And we're going to have fellowship. Don't forget to bring your chair. And uh, bring a good spirit, ready to have a good time. Bring your fellowship spirit on where you can get to know somebody else a little bit better. And we're going to go to the Cases Farm in Sligo, not far from here. So I want you to be there. You sign up. It's in the back. Also, ladies, I can't, again, say enough. Sign up for the ladies' banquet. Get your, pick your meal and do that today. Uh, it's in the back. There's a, in the very, very back in the foyer. Uh, there's a basket there. Miss Laura will be standing there. Please make plans to attend. I am glad we have a church that's got some things going on. Uh, then we have our mission conference. I don't want to miss that. It's going to be a great week, and I want to encourage you to be a part of it. So whatever there is, just go ahead and make plans to plug in and be a part of it. And I know the Lord will bless and help all of us. I can promise you this. It ain't going to hurt you. <laughs> it won't hurt you for sure. And uh, I think it'll help you along the way. First Samuel chapter 31. We have been taking every Sunday and just been going through the life of David. Now we're here in chapter 31, the last chapter of the book of First Samuel. And now I want you to notice as we've been looking at the life of David, the Lord has been shifting back and forth from scene to scene. We'll look at David's life, then we'll look at Saul, and then we'll see David, and then we'll see Saul. And some of these, they've converged, but most of the time, Saul and David have been in two different places. Now we've come to the part of where Saul is going to be killed. And I want to read the whole chapter, there's only 13 verses, and I want you to follow along with me. And read the word of God with me and let's look at this sad ending. And then I want to bring a message on just simply this, the contrast of two kings. Verse 1, the Bible says, Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Geboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons, and the Philistines slew Jonathan... And Abinadab, and Melchishua, Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him. And he was wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor bearer, Draw thy sword, and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come, and thrust me through, and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men that same day together. 
And when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley, and they that were on the other side, Jordan, saw that the men of Israel fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled, and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. And it came to pass on the morrow when the Philistines came to strip the slain, that they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Goboa. And they cut off his head, stripped off his armor, and sent him to the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among the people. And they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bashan. And when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night, took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bashan, and came to Jabesh and burnt them there. And they took their bones and buried them under a tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning now for this time. I pray you'll quieten all of our hearts. I pray you'll help us to be attentive to thy word. And Lord, I pray you'll help us to be tender to thy voice today. And Lord, we ask that your will be done. We will give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor for which you deserve. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Think about this, a very sad ending to really was a promising life. Uh, Saul's life seems, this death seems to be so unnecessary. Um, Seems like Saul wasted his life. Um, His sons also died because of the sins of their father. Uh, I want to say... To you this morning, I'm going to kind of keep this line that, uh, and we're going to look at it, but Saul was not destined to fail. It was his choice. God had favored him and anointed him to be king, and he started out well, but I want to just say to you as a way of application, he didn't finish well. And I don't know about you, but God help us to all finish well. Finish well. That does not mean that you've not made mistakes. That does not mean that you maybe right now are not living in the way that you should be living. That does not mean that it has to conquer you. I'm saying to you this morning, you can end well. By God's help, we can end well. By the way, King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 9 verse 2, the Bible says this of him when they anointed him king. When Samuel anointed him to be king, The Bible said there was not a goodlier man to be found. Now that's being spoken of as Saul. The Bible also says that he was much taller than every other man. And by no means or by all means we understand why they would pick Saul. He looked like a king. He looked like a leader. He looked like a warrior. And no doubt he was. But let me just say to you this morning, a good beginning is not a guarantee for a good ending. It's not enough to have a great beginning. I want you to know, it's not enough just to have potential. It is what we do with our potential. 
What we do. It's what we do with what God gives us that makes all the difference in the world. If we squander His blessings. Well, that song was a blessing, wasn't it? His goodness has been running after me. (laughs) The Bible says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. By the way, He's running after you. He's he's out of breath running after us because He loves us so much. Can I say, when we think about His blessings, His goodness, listen, He's blessed all of us. One reason why I know He's blessed us all because we were born in America. Bless us. And if we're not careful, we'll squander our blessings and our opportunities that God has given us. Don't spurn the grace of God. So in this chapter, we are told exactly in detail how Saul died. Now, it's interesting to note, David did not find out, we're going to realize this when we look at the next chapter, which will be 2 Samuel chapter 1, we will find out that David did not find out about Saul's death until many days later. But here's what's amazing to me. If you remember the last message that I preached last week, if you remember, save the providential grace of God, David would have been right here fighting against Saul and his sons and his own people. Because you remember in chapter 30, he was going to go to war with Achish because he was a Ziklag. And I told you that we all have to come to our Ziklags in life. And he came to this place and he was lying and murdering people. This is King David now, soon to be king. He is the man that's lying to King Achish and he's already went and fled to the enemy's land and he's living in Achish and he's going to go fight with the Philistines to fight Saul and his own people. But providentially hindered by God, all of the captains of Saul's army would not go to fight with David. So David had to go back to Ziklag. By the way, isn't the grace of God wonderful? Isn't the stops, listen to me now, isn't the stops of the Lord sometimes a blessing? Sometimes we think, oh my goodness, God's put a roadblock there. He's put a stop there. You ought to thank God when He stops you. That's the grace of God. So we know without God's providential care and working in David's life, David, I'm thankful he missed this battle. And I'm sure David is thankful as well. But we see the grace of God here. Remember the last chapter again, God spared David from going and battling and fighting his own people. I thank God for the stops of the Lord. Now, the Bible describes at great length David's or Saul's death. The way the Bible, the author, and by the way, you know the author of the Bible is God himself. Yes, he used human penmen to write, to record the words, but by the way, the author is God. And I truly believe that the author describes Paul's death, Saul's death for a reason. But I also see from the way that this part of Israel's history was written and recorded in God's Word, it is clear to me that God wants us to track the two lives of David and Saul. For the last few weeks, last several messages we've been going, we've been bouncing back and forth. 
As you read 1 Samuel, you'll see the chapter will spotlight in on Saul. And then it will take another part of Scripture and will spotlight it on David. And then God will so wonderfully, so uh, beautiful literature will go back. It's like a wonderful drama unfolding right in front of us. So we've been switching back from the life of Saul to the life of David. And why? Because God is trying. He wants to track the two lives of these two men that have so clearly been associated with one another ever since King David was anointed. He swings between Saul and David, telling us what happened on Saul's side and then what happens on David's side. And most of the time there are different places and Few of the places that we've read, both of them converge in the same area. But I want you to know, I believe us, I believe that he wants us to see two different lives with two different hearts. Two different lives with two different endings. One drifting further from the Lord and one drifting closer to the Lord. I believe as I've tried to really emphasize this through these messages The Bible says of David that he was a man after God's own heart. So we know that David is being tracked because it is showing a life. Not perfect. But yet David continues to follow after God's heart. And we see as we've continued to look from uh, leading from stage to stage or scene to scene. We've seen that Saul is continually drifting further away. One heart is rather chasing his own dreams, his own ways, chasing after his own heart, so to speak. But then we've seen David seeking after God's heart. Now in today, we read the conclusion of the life without God. Pretty sad and detailed scene. Can't help but read it to read it with emotion because as I've been studying the life of Saul, I've come to know Jonathan better. I've really thought about what kind of a man Jonathan was. He was a friend to David, yet in such a way that he would risk his life for David, but yet he was so loyal to his father that he would die in front of his father. And I I look at this scene and I think, how sad. I, I look back and see Saul had all the promises of God. Saul had all of the opportunity to live a different way. I want you to know as we read the conclusion of the life of David, it's a tragic end. It's filled with gloom and doom. And I, as I read it, and as I even say that to you, it was so unnecessary. And hear me as I say this. I've been in the ministry for a long time. And I must say to you, not only in my own life, but in the life of others, I've sat and watched people live their life with all the potential and the blessings of God, but yet because of our own choosing, we have to have these events or these places and times in our life where there's gloom and doom, when they're so unnecessary. By the way, God anointed Saul. God anointed him. He had blessed him. By the way, the Bible said in one time there in chapter 12 that Saul was so in tune with the Lord that he prophesied. So I want to say to you this morning that the Spirit of God had fallen upon Saul. We know that uh, uh, it wasn't because God didn't give him an opportunity. It wasn't because God had ordained him to fail. No, God wanted him to succeed. 
He favored Saul, but Saul chose to take a different path on his own life. And here's what he did. He just simply rejected God. Now, can I help everyone here that you're faithfully coming to church and you're a faithful Christian. And if you're not careful, especially if you're a young person, do you know what the great danger today is? Is as you're sitting here in this building, here's what you're saying. Oh, I've heard all that. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, Pastor. I've heard all that. It's a dangerous place to be. Oh, I've heard, oh, here goes the preacher again. He's going to say, I've heard all that. Hearing it doesn't do anything unless we heed it. I hear Christians are professionals. Oh, I heard that. Oh, I know that. Oh, oh, I've heard that. And they say it like, oh, here he goes again. Here he goes again. We came here to hear this. Yes. Why? You say, well, you know why we think like that? Because we don't think we can be Saul. But I'm here to tell every one of y'all and me, including myself, we all can be worse than Saul. He chose to go his way. He chose to be a disobedient to the Lord. By the way, here's what's amazing. The two lives, David, Saul. Saul, David. One's following after his own heart. One's following after God's heart. But here's what's amazing to me. Both Saul and David were both disobedient. Both of them were not perfect. And both of them we will see that, and we're going to look at David's many imperfections through his life. But what was the difference? Now y'all listen and listen carefully. What was the difference? Can I be honest with you? When you look at David's life, he did far worse. Far worse than Saul. We've not read it all yet, but what we've already read of David. David has already, he's lied many times. He has killed innocent people. I mean, went out and murdered people. Came back to the king of Achish. Lied to him and told him that we were killing Israelites when he was actually killing Achish's people. And he killed everyone in those towns and villages because dead men can't talk. This is David. And then soon we're going to read of David that he has an adulterous affair with a woman that was not his wife. He goes so far as to kill the the woman's husband. As I read the life of Saul, I've not read anything as what we would say is worse than that. So what's the difference? See, I have some people are sitting here today, and some people will never darken the doors of these churches because here's what they said and think: Oh, I tell you what, I'm not worthy to be in that church. None of us are. Some people have this idea: Oh, I tell you right now, the preacher lives right at the foot of the cross. So I want to say to you, I'm an old nasty sinner. Just like you. When we read the Word of God, it's beautiful to me. God does not hide their sin nor their imperfections. So what made them different? Wow. What was the difference? What was This is so important, church. I've tried to highlight this thought all through this series. I have said to you, David is not perfect. He's a murderer. 
He's an adulterer. By the way, he's a very bad parent. He's a weak, he's very weak parent. We're going to learn that later. So it's not that he was sinless. It wasn't that he didn't commit heinous sin because he did. It wasn't because he made a mistake. So what is the difference? Why can God continue to say he's a man after God's own heart? Are y'all ready? Y'all get it. It's very important. Because you know what? This is how it helps us. Because look here. Not one of us are not going to fail. Not one of us is not going to sin. But here's the difference. How you respond. How you respond. I've made this about man. I've made it about me. It's just a saying. But I believe it's true as I've been studying the, the life of Saul. I've, all, I've always said this. I don't lose confidence in you by making a mistake or committing a sin. Because we're all going to do it. Can I get a witness? You know when I start losing confidence in people? How they respond to it. By the way, that's just my thoughts. That's exactly what God has done here. Much more important than what my little old measly thoughts is. But we see through the life of David, it wasn't that David was greater. It wasn't that David was sinless. It was not that David did not create or or do worse heinous sin than Saul because he did. So why is God continuing to bless him? And why is David continued to be the king, soon to be the king of Israel? The way he responded. Y'all want to know how? David, listen, y'all ready? David has always and every time he was willing to admit that he was wrong and get right with God. He was ready to humble up. He was not making excuses. And he said, Lord, God, help me. I've sinned. Now help me to get right. That's the difference. You read it. If you want to really read how to get right with God, Psalm 51, he said, oh, Lord, have I only sinned against you? Those are strong language. When, uh, when uh, Nathan, later on in his life, sticks the finger up in David's face and says, you're the man, how did he respond? He immediately humbled up. Can I ask? He responded spiritually. Y'all ready? David humbled himself. Lord, help us. That's hard to do, isn't it? You know who our biggest problem is? It's me. You know who your biggest problem is? It's you. We're so full of ourselves. David had came to a place where he was willing to admit and return and make things right and he responded spiritually. David would humble himself and he would seek after God no matter what he did. And and listen to me, the Lord honors a heart like that. Saul, on the other hand, he failed, he sinned, but he would not respond humbly. Remember when God told him to go and to kill everyone, not leave anything? About that time, he brought them all back. And Samuel said, did you do as the Lord said? And by that time, he said, yes. And as he was speaking, he He said, well, if you've done what God said, why don't I hear the name of the sheep? Oh, here was Saul's opportunity. And how did he respond? Oh, well, listen, here's what we did. We brought the best to give back to God. Hogwash. That sounds like me. 
That sounds like some other Christians that I pastor. Oh, well, now, pastor, the reason it... No, the truth is, let's just say, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh, Lord. You know, I have a sister sitting in the back. I can blame a lot of things on her. But to be fair, not one sin I've ever committed is because of my sister. But boy, Saul was perfect at it. Remember when uh, he had an altar and he he sacrificed what only the Levites should have done and God said, I'm going to rend your kingdom from you. Why? He said, here's what, when Samuel came and approached him, you know what Saul said? Instead of saying, oh, I know, please God forgive me, I know I did wrong. You know what he said? He said, well, you weren't here, Samuel, so somebody had to do it. What was that? That was a sin. It was pride. There's the difference between Saul and David. You say, man, how, how cruel is God? That No, 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 wait. He knew the core. Can I say this to every man and woman here? I don't know your core, but God does. Saul failed, he sinned, but would not respond humbly. He always made excuses. He continued to go his way. And the difference was how they responded. Listen to me. If you don't get anything else, get this. That's what makes the difference. Now, I'm not given a license to sin. Our love for the Lord should restrain us from sinning against the one who loved us. But I want to say, when we do, we know that his promise is he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When the Israelites made the mistake of asking, and I learned a lot right here. When the Israelites made the mistake and asked God that they wanted a king, that bothered God. Because he said, I'm ultimately your leader. You should follow me. But here's what's amazing. Would you turn with me? Let, let's just read it. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 12. Because I want you to understand that God did not ordain Saul to fail. God did not ordain Saul to fail. Let's look in verse uh, Samuel chapter 12. And let's just look back at the beginning when he was ordained king. This is Saul now. We're going to read the beginning of his reign. We've just read the death and the end of his reign. Look at verse 19. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants and to the Lord thy God, that we die not, for we have added unto all of our sins this evil, to ask us a king. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn you not aside, for then should you go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. That word vain means they're empty. For the Lord will not forsake. Woo! Are y'all with me? God will not forsake His people. Listen to me. People will. But we have a promise God won't. Why? Here it is, for His great name's sake. 
Because it hath pleased the Lord to make you His people. Now listen, I want you to understand something. What we learn right here. God's intention was and is to bless Israel. Then and now. Even though that they asked for a king. Even though Samuel said it's wickedness. So they had done wrong. But God is so a loving, merciful God. He said, even though you've done this wrong, I'm going to give you a king. But if you will stay true to me, if you will follow me, and you won't turn aside, He said, I'll bless you. How many moms and dads want your children to be blessed? How many families here want the blessings of God on your life? And you know what you're going to do? Oh, but you don't understand, Pastor. Here's the mistakes we've made. And oh my goodness, we've done this. And this has been awful. And this has been awful. Okay, stop it. Stop now. And do right now. And guess what? Because God loves you, and for His great name's sake, He'll bless you. His intention was not for Saul to fail. His intention was for Israel. He wanted to put his favor upon the king. He wanted to put his favor upon his people. But it was Saul and the people's choice that brought. God told him. He said, if you'll follow me, even though you've done this wickedness, if you'll follow me. And by the way, that was the, that was the life of Saul. He kept telling Saul, Saul, if you'll turn, if you'll turn. And Saul just kept on, just kept on, just kept on. And by the way, y'all know anybody like that? And then we sat back after 60 years and we look back over that person's life and we say, dear God, don't be that person. You say, Pastor, what's going on today? He's telling you right now just like he did Saul. He's giving you your warning and my warning right now. Doesn't matter what you've done. It's what you're going to do. He wants to bless. He wants to favor. But it's our choice. Notice carefully, God loves you. And He will bless you. But I'm going to tell you why He will really bless you. He will bless you for His great name's sake. Remember, our salvation's the same. For Jesus' sake. Y'all know why I'm saved? Because of Jesus. I'm an old hell-deserving sinner. But because of Jesus' sake. Because He died for me. Because He paid for my sin. Because He loved me and gave me life eternal in Christ. I want you to know, if we can be saved, our sin cannot and can never be greater than the cross. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross was sufficient, listen to me, no matter what you've done. The drunk on the street, the kings in their palaces, the poor and unlearned, and the men of degree, they all have a soul. In need of salvation. And they all have to come. By Calvary. Amen. 
I wasn't planning on doing that, but boy, it's right here. I might as well sing it. I am so glad God saves old sinners. I'm thrilled and amazed that He sets them free. But the biggest surprise in redeeming old sinners is that He would say, an old sinner like me. That's the way I feel, church. I really do. I can't believe He saved me. Y'all know why? Because I know who I am. <laughs> I have to look at myself every morning. And I have to know the thoughts I have to have. And I know I have failed Him. But I want you to know something. His love is everlasting. His sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was sufficient for all my sin. And by the way, all your sin too. So what condemns us? Here's what condemns us. Not because you have sin. What condemns us? Oh, we're all sinners, but here's what condemns us. We just keep going like Saul. We just keep rejecting the Lord. So can I give you all some real good news this morning? We're going to close her up. You can be saved today no matter how nasty of a sinner you are. But I'm going to tell you right now, until you humble up and realize you need a Savior, you'll never get saved. Everything's been paid. Your sin's been paid for, no matter how bad it is. But see, we have to come through Jesus. That's why Jesus died. He died on the cross to pay for your sin. See, God the Father can't give sin a pass. Sin had to be paid for. And Jesus Christ Himself paid for our sin Look, I'm not, pro- I'm not propagating religion here. Some of you think, oh, we're going to be religious. I don't like religion. I like to get saved. Amen. When you get saved, you come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and you meet Him by faith. You realize you're a sinner. You realize you're in need of something. And Jesus Christ is the answer to that need. Amen. And you come to Him knowing that you're a sinner, but oh, I'm glad that He saves old sinners like us. And when we humbly bow before Him and say, Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm asking You to save me. An old sinner, and I'm trusting You and You alone. See, that's faith. When you put your faith in Christ, the Bible says that faith becomes righteousness. That's God's plan. It's not my plan. See, the world's confused. They think you've got to go to church or you've got to go get baptized. You've got to go give money to something. Because see, we're all about works. But see, God is not about works He's about, He's already done all the work. He just wants us to trust Him and faith His plan of salvation, which is Jesus. By the way, everybody in this building can do it. Can I say, I'm tired of hearing people saying, oh, God sends people to hell. No, God doesn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves there by rejecting His way. He's done everything to provide salvation. Whether we accept Christ or reject Christ makes all the difference in the world. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm going to tell you all right now, I would be too scared to walk out that door without Him. There used to be a fear of God. There used to be a fear of hell. Man, when I got saved, I was five years old. And I'm telling you all right now, the preacher preached on hell that morning. I'm going to tell you all right now. So, oh, poor little Mark, he got scared. I got scared, but it's all right because I found Jesus. I've witnessed to young people time and time again. You know what they say to me? Oh, yeah, we're going to split hell wide open. And when we get down there, we're going to have a party. Listen to me, there's going to be no parties. The Bible says it's where the worm dies not. The flame is never quenched. There's always a separation between God and man. It's the darkest place ever known to mankind. There's no parties. 
You say, I hear it all the time. Well, I tell you right now, I don't believe in a God that's so, that ain't loving that he sends people to hell. Oh, no, 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 listen to me. He didn't send Saul to this death either. The Bible tells us why Saul ended up where he was. It was because of his sin, his choices. And by the way, if you and I or anybody on this planet goes to hell, it's not because of God, it's because of our choices. Why? John 3, 17 says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, Saul had been unfaithful, inconsistent, even to the very end. He had just left a medium's house. We see in the earlier chapters, he had not seriously honored the Lord in all of his heart. He ruled his own life. This is how it ended. Quickly, look at David's response. We're going to look at it later. You'll find it in the next chapter, next book. You would think, man, David, he got word. Man, Saul's finally dead. I'm so happy. No, the Bible said he was sorrow of heart. Why? I'm going to tell you why. He was a humble man. He trusted in the Lord. See the contrast of these two lives. David honored God. God blesses him. By the way, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. David wasn't perfect. And we're going to continue to study his life. We're going to know, I'm going to be honest, he made some bad, bad, bad decisions and affected a lot of people's lives. But yet how he responded. Now, as I close, how will you respond today? Is this just a speech? I'm afraid we live in some land where people now come to church and they listen to a message like they listen to a political speech. We should never come to church listening to a message like a speech. The truth has been delivered. There's been many applications laid down. Now here's the question, and this is the sober one. What will we do? Neutral you cannot be. How about your choices from today? How about your path from today? You say, well, Pastor, you don't understand. I've been resisting the Lord. Then stop it. Stop it. Oh, well, Pastor Mark, I'm going to be honest. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a praying man. Well, you can be. And by the way, you should be. And you'd be much blessed if you are. And I'll tell you right now, I think your wife would love you more if she knew that she was in love with a man that knew how to get a hold of God. Come on, ladies. How many of y'all, man, that would, y'all would just think he's macho of all machos if you knew you were married to a man that boy knew how to get a hold of God. Appreciate the one. Well, I'll amen for you. Amen. You know what every boy and girl, little boy and every little girl ought to have? Maybe a daddy that's made some mistakes, but he's man enough to own up to those mistakes and to do things right. That's how David did it. And by the way, here in very short order, he's going to be king. Let's ask God to help us. We see the contrast of these two lives. Where will we be? We should follow after David 
in the way that he honored God, but we should always be following after Christ and his heart. Let's stand to our feet. The contrast of two lives. They both sinned. They both did horrible things. But David's life ended on a battlefield with his three sons slain in front of him. That's a tragic ending, isn't it? And the Bible tells us over there in 1 Chronicles why it was because of his sin and transgressions. It was the choices he made. The heart who which he followed. Can I have everyone bow their head, close their eyes just for a moment? Could we just think for a moment? Only ponder our own lives, our own hearts. No one else. I certainly want a good ending. That does not mean that I've not...